Welcome to the 7 Days to Amazing podcast, where you learn how to make your life, business, and style even more amazing in the next week. Now your host, Sharon Haver of FocusOnStyle.com, helping you live the life that others only dream about so you can be the best at being you. Sheeksters, I am Sharon Haver, and you are about to be amazed on today's episode of Seven Days to Amazing. So today's guest is super special, and it's so many different ways, because we're going to be talking about our favorite authors and heroines and heroes in, in literature. But besides just authors, the way the internet has changed right now, the way our lives have changed right now, so many of us are bloggers, are writers, are in our own little writing creative cave. And, you know, if you're doing your, your schedules by chunking and maybe one day is the day you're creating content and another day is the day you're doing communication. On those content days, the communication days, when you're really in your own little universe, so many times, so often we just kind of forget about what we wear because no one sees us. So today's guest is really important because she's going to kind of prove how the power of what you wear really affects the words of what you do and, and your whole persona and the narrative of, of, of how you write and the stories you create, whether it be your blog post, your website copy, your writing a, a, your first book or you're doing your social media updates, whatever it is, when you're in your writing cave, how what you wear is so important. So Terry Newman is the author of Legendary Authors and the Clothes They Wore. It's a rich collection that features icons of literature and tutorial stories than what they tell. It's first-rate writers that have a sense of style not only on the page, but in their personal appearances. From Virginia Woolf, Susan Sontag, who is personally one of my favorites, particularly in college, and Truman Capote, another one of my favorites, to Toni Morrison, Michael Chabon, Zadie Smith, and Joan Didion, each entry spotlights an author's signature look and how it influences the fashion and literary world today. Lovers of literature get a glimpse into their favorite writers' wardrobes, and by extension, their psyches. Terry offers an intimate examination of the icons who continue to inspire and influence us in a book that is so smart, stylish, and astute. Besides being the author of Legendary Authors, Terry has worked in the fashion industry for more than 25 years, both as an editor for ID, Attitude, and Self-Service, and a writer-contributor to newspapers such as The Guardian, Independent, the Saturday and Sunday Times, and she's also written and presented fashion programs in the United Kingdom for Channel 4, where she did She's Gotta Have It, and Slave, a contributor to books such as ID's Fashion Now, Fashion Now 2, and The Soul ID. She currently lectures at the University for the Creative Arts in Epsom, England. Terry lives in London with her husband and two children. Welcome, Terry Newman. Thrilled to have you here today. I'm in New York. Terry's in London. It is a wonderful day wherever you are. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sharon. Lovely to speak to you. 
Lovely to speak to you, too. I'm really excited about this. We were chatting a little bit before we hit the recording button, and I it just I am just so excited. We had so much good stuff that I had to say to Terry, let, let's just put it on for the real people, you know? Let everybody here besides us and, and keep get privy to our conversation, because I find this to be so fascinating. But before we get into the, the meat of the book, can you just give us a little idea of you know, where you came from, I, re- I kind of read your bio before, on how you came to be in finding this, this love of authors and, and the want for creating legendary authors and the clothes they wore. Well, you know, it's, 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 for me, it was a very natural topic to, to start to write about because there, I've only ever really been interested in two things, and that's books and clothes. So, <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, um, I read voraciously, and I was really into, you know, reading. But to me, the authors were as were almost as interesting as the, as, the, as the books I was reading. So I was very seduced at a young age by the kind of stories of the authors themselves. And then obviously being really interested in fashion and clothes as well, putting the two together made complete sense. So that was the idea, that was the premise, that was the motivation behind writing um, the book. And it all came together brilliantly, I think. You know, the instinct was was there from a young age and then you know finally I got to write it now so it's it, yeah it was a real joy actually yeah I I think it, it's just when I when I was first got the email about the book I was just so excited because I thought it's such a fascinating topic that people often don't think about you know if you're reading Dorothy Parker do you think about what she wore, how it affects her, or, or Truman Capote? I mean, his look was so precise. But then when you think about it even further, Susan Sontag and her big white streak of hair, and, you know, as I said in the opening, I, I just, oh, God, I think when I was coming of age, I devoured every Susan Sontag book ever. And I, it's just always fascinated of the looks, even someone like Allen Ginsberg and his, you know, his kind of dirty, hippie, scruffy beard and glasses and jeans and it's just yeah, it's their persona it's just yeah, who absolutely. they are exactly and that's just such a strong part of you know who they are and it really kind of translates into their writing as well it kind of reflects you know it's like a mirror of of you know the the, the kind of narrative that they that they put on the page so it's a real I think looking at the clothes of the writer as well as their writing just gets you that little bit closer to your literary heroes, I think, and and tells you just a bit more. Because I think what you put on obviously speaks volumes about who you are. And so naturally that's the same for our legendary authors as well. Absolutely. And and the thing is also, is what I was saying before, with so many people who are now Every, you know, there's there's legendary authors, and then there's writers and people who write. You know, I I, I kind of um, I used to have my column on a news newswire, so yeah. I have a little ink in ink in my blood, and I get excited about that. But it's interesting for me. It's like you know, when you're writing online now and you're writing on a blog, everything you would do as an author or as a columnist or a journalist was much more pristine and precise in your grammar now and, and your typos. And now with the internet, what's happened is people have gotten a little sloppy in their writing because, you know, it's just, it's got, it's the immediacy of it all. So it's got to go out there. So even though you always grammar check it and spell check it 500 times, you know, some there's typos from keyboards and if you're writing on your phone or, you know, and people don't have the same, Oh, I don't want to say value, but I can't think of another word right now as to what they're doing and how they're writing. And I think some of that actually affects 
their entire look and back to their persona and how they carry themselves because of the immediacy and, you know, you want to almost say sloppiness of the way internet writing is done. People transform it in their their own personal dress. But what we were talking about before was when we are writing and we are alone in our writing caves, you know, how important what we wear shapes. And you were saying some really interesting stuff about, you know, not saving the good clothes and making the effort. Well, I think, I mean, you know, I think absolutely, you know, I think that, you know, most of us have got underused outfits in our wardrobe that we kind of save for best, but every day should be best, you know. I think that, you know, what you wear really affects your psyche. So putting on something kind of gorgeous that means something to you that that you just feel really comfortable and happy in will make the day go better, will enable your writing more better. It, it just kind of focuses you a little bit more. If you're feeling a bit sort of slobby and running around the house in a pair of track pants, then maybe, you know, that is going to affect your writing. But, but going back to what you're saying about, you know, the world of Internet content, I think that what you read is as important as what you um, wear. And I think that there's a lot of room to read much more today because there's so many gorgeous things out there on the Internet that you can read. But one of the purposes of my book as well was to shine a spotlight on all these authors and to just kind of maybe encourage people to look at them again because their writing is amazing and they're Mm -hmm. heroes of literature. So going back to look at what these amazing writers did and how they crafted their words maybe can also, as well as what they wore, is is both equally an inspiration. So, you know, I think that you can't shut the stable door on the internet, obviously, but I think that maybe people are kind of galloping away with it too much and maybe they can go back and and leap leaf through, you know, a Sylvia Plath novel or Simone de Beauvoir um, um, book and just kind of reevaluate, you know, the parameters of um, maybe, not, I wouldn't say quality control, but do you know what I mean? Reading these really great writers maybe is quite inspiring as well as, as well for, for, for people who provide content and stuff, you know. I, I maybe that's being getting on my high horse a little bit. No, but. no, 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 no. And, and, and on another end, one of the things is it's like meeting your own friends, your old friends. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe not Simone, but how about Jacqueline Suzanne? I'm looking at this picture. You know, I oh, grew amazing. I yeah. love Jacqueline Suzanne and, you know, Valley of the Dolls. One of my favorite books, it was one of the first ones my mother ever read to me, was Every Night Josephine, which yeah. was about Jacqueline Suzanne and her little gray poodle, Josephine. And yeah. I still have that book on my bookshelf. And I had a little gray poodle named Jacques at the time. So he was my first poodle. So it was always, it was the bond. But I mean, I'm looking at my mother actually back in those days kind of looked like Jacqueline Suzanne. She had black hair and it was like, I don't know, big like her. She has had big puffy 60s uh, page black hair. Yeah. Yeah. But what's so fascinating is that she's sitting on the floor and this book has such beautiful photos and I just, you know, I have, I'm very tactile with, with paper. Oh, there's a picture of, is that Josephine? Oh, yes, there's Josephine. She's walking her in Central Park wearing, yes, it, yes. Looks like a, it looks like an Yves Saint Laurent uh, safari jacket. Safari too, with those, suit, yeah. With yeah, those big exactly. bush po- pockets. 
anyway, so I'm the the book has, it's just it's something about the paper. I mean, I'm like a crazy paper. I'm like crazy with, with fonts and typeface and paper, and it just feels so good. It's such a rich quality, and it's a matte finish, and there's just something I don't know, very literary and classy, and you kind of want to get into it. It's like something to keep, isn't it? So it's yeah, to it's, keep hold it's of. wonderful. But this picture of Jacqueline Suzanne, so people are, are way younger than me and don't know it. She started writing, um, so she had this first book, Every Night Josephine, and um, her husband, Irving, I think, wasn't that his name? He was yes. a talent agent. He was, he was a big deal in showbiz. And mm-hmm. she just started writing this book about her dog. And then after that, her poodle. After that, she wrote Valley of the Dolls, which was, you know, at the time, pretty controversial and risque. She was like a, um, oh, my God, why am I blacking out on her? I love her. The woman who just passed away. Joan, uh, Jackie Collins. She was Jackie like a Jackie. Collins, yeah, oh, absolutely. I met Jack. Yeah, I met Jackie Collins right before she passed away, and she was quite a quite a pip. She was really a lot of fun to be hanging out with. And anyway, so Jacqueline Suzanne was kind of the precursor to Jackie Collins. They both had that big big brunette hair and kind of ballsy personality. But here she's sitting in her uh, office, I guess, and she's on the floor in a little poochy mini skirt with oh, probably Gucci chunky heeled loafers and her big hair and eyelashes big picture of her typewriter and she's on a chalkboard writing out the character robin stone who was one of the lead characters in her book and kind of putting out words for him and it's just you know different i i guess it's sort of like a, almost a brain dump mind map of you know the the character's journey and i find it so fascinating because here she is looking all glam and writing and about home writing yeah yeah about this crazy glam life so she's living it i mean i love jacqueline suzanne she's actually absolutely one of my all-time favorites in the book and you know the thing about um her is that she you know although people might say well why is she in the book you know because she was this kind of writer who maybe kind of was slightly different to to, to (laughs) some of the others but i think she broke new ground she started writing in a very different way than than was than than people were used to you know she's very empowering in in so many ways plus she's a great role model she worked hard at what she did she was always camera ready she was um you know engaged with her audience in a 360 degrees way that is very modern and i think you know there are there, there's loads and loads of things to love about ja- jacqueline suzanne as well as her books and you know as you say the fact that she she didn't have a stylist she was wearing peachy no. at home when she was working on her mind maps for her characters and um, you know, I, I just, I just, I just find her endlessly fascinating, and I was absolutely certain that she was going to be, you know, one of the top authors in my book because I just love her very much indeed. I think she's great. Uh, you, you know, someone might say she wasn't writing um, time capsule worthy prose, <laughs> but she was, and you know, it's like it might have been a trashy novel at the time, but it was a groundbreaking trashy novel that made way for everything. Like she was the original Real Housewife, almost. You know, yeah. no, absolutely. Like, let's sorry, let's not forget. I mean, she sold masses and masses of massive. copies of of, of 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 her novels. So you know, that to me is is a huge success as well. And she did it with style and grace and. You know all the things that you'd hope you'd hope for yourself. I think I think she's amazing. Yeah, I, I think it's incredible. And also, you were saying 
we're talking, you know, before we were recording about, which I think is such an amazing thing, is that this was before stylists. You know, I was a stylist for 15 years. And mm-hmm. I really believe, I, I've created a program called the Seishi Crash Course, which teaches you how to be your own best stylist. I think the whole idea of somebody being hired to dress you every day is ridiculous. I, I just like you lose your sense of soul. You lose your sense of authenticity. It's just like it's unrealistic. It's some somebody's dopey fairy tale. We should all be able to figure out on our own what our own best style is to dress ourselves, to find our way and be guided into that journey. If that's not something that's innate to us to find out what it is, because it's, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's, it's our soul. So if I yeah, take you, yeah. So if I take you to, I don't know, Harrods or Nordstrom's or whatever big store and put you in a room with five people, yeah, they could dress you up. But like what happens when you're on your own, you're only doing cookie cutter. And these people were not cookie cutter. These were real. These were authentic authentic yeah. soul and that's absolutely you know, part of the sorry 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 to interrupt that's yeah. so much part of the book you've absolutely hit the nail on the head because part of the book is about having courage to wear what you like with regardless to what other people think of you regardless of what's in fashion if you like it you should wear it and you should feel happy wearing it if it makes you happy if it makes you feel great you should wear it and you know there's this amazing quote from um, the, in the Virginia Woolf um, section, uh, one of the editors from Vogue at the time, um, she uh, there's a quote from her saying when she first caught sight of Virginia Woolf at a reading and she was wearing what she thought looked like a waste paper basket on her head. <laughs> and, the, and the idea is that actually, you know, so what? She was wearing a hat, Virginia Woolf was wearing a hat that she loved, and yes, possibly it did look a bit extraordinary, but you know what? If, pe- if some kind of gorgeous person was wearing a hat that looked a bit like a waste paper basket on the head and wore it with confidence, it Absolutely. would be on Instagram the next day and everybody will be wearing one. So I just think, you know what? Just feel empowered. I hope, you know, when people look at all these characters and see all the diverse range of you know, gorgeous clothes and different styles and how strong and wonderful they look, that they will feel, you know what, I want to wear this and I'm going to wear it. And and I think that, you know, that would take away, you know, enjoy fashion, love what all the designers do, but maybe be, as you say, be true to yourself and wear what you want because that's what you should do because that's more important than anything else, not feeling afraid to, to sort of express yourself in any way that you want. Hey, excuse me, let me jump in for a second. We're sharing a lot of amazing things today, but you know, there's more. If you have a friend that you think will also enjoy this episode, don't forget to share it now. Do you like to listen on the go? Simply download this episode in iTunes. While you're there, subscribe and write a review so we can continue to bring you the most amazing content possible to help you be the best at being you in your life, business, and style. For more amazing episodes, go to our podcast library at www.7daystoamazing.com, where you will find episode transcripts and additional resources. Thanks for letting me jump in. Back to the episode. 
Absolutely. And that's what gives you the confidence. And I mean, look at, you know, in pop culture, since we're talking about Jacqueline Suzanne, we can bring a little pop culture. And then I want to talk about Sylvia Plath a bit. But like, look at the first time Cher walked out in that sheer sequin jumpsuit, the new jumpsuit with all the, the beading on it. And everyone mm. was like, oh, my God, how risque Cher. But she made her mark. Yeah, okay, she worked with Bob Mackey on that. But she it was her. And people were like, mm. oh, can't wait for Cher, worst dress. I think Cher was the most amazing dress because it was her soul. She was crazy. She was groundbreaking. And then you have now, like, you know, every time there's, like, a, an event, especially the Costume Institute here, you've got Kim Kardashian, you've got Beyonce, you've got all these other girls, all these other chicklets, running around in, like, nude outfits and going, oh, it's my homage to Cher. And it's mm. like, no, now you look like a copycat. Be real. And I think that's what this book is. And it's just people being real and this is I think what is one of the biggest lost parts of society is that you can wear a t-shirt and a skirt and look really cool in an old photo and really really not if you're just wearing it the right way and and you're taking pride in how you're putting it together so there's a, a party about Sylvia Plath and I find this if you want to talk a little bit about how she had one image in her clothing and had it was completely the opposite of what was going on in her psyche and I, I you just this chapter is really fascinating so if you just want to tell us a little bit about it well I mean Sylvia Plath is obviously one of the most amazing authors but she obviously had a very tragic life as well because she ended up killing herself because of you know a lifelong sort of depressive illness that she suffered from and I think that torment and anguish which translates to the to the written word that you know her poems for example you know, it was very intense and very internalized. And I think her way of dealing with things, it seemed to me with all the research that I did, you know, when you look at pictures of Sylvia Plath, she looks very preppy, you know, when she was younger and very mm-hmm. put together and stylish, you know, when she was slightly older, but in a very kind of contained, almost kind of, you know, um, overly, overly sort of... Um, uh, sort of, exactly. You know, she was kind of like trying to keep it together, if you like. Yeah. You know? So by kind of protect, using clothes as a protective shield, putting on her lipstick, putting on a gorgeous, you know, well-ironed blouse and a cheerful skirt. You know, it was kind of all her way of, of shielding what was going on inside, you know. And obviously it was very much, um, you know, reflective of the fashion that was going on at the time in in um, the world, you know, that kind of preppy, gorgeous, very sort of cute, upbeat sort of look, which is really at odds with, with what we know about her as a person. And I found that so fascinating because, you know, she used clothes as a way of clinging on, you know, trying to kind of make herself feel better, trying to kind of present to the world the person that she wanted to be, but sadly, you know, wasn't because of her illness. And so, you know, that I found really, really interesting and, and, and actually really fascinating as well. Um, obviously, you know, it was a real tragedy. But when you look at her, she looks amazing. You know, she looks like a, an American dream, you know, pretty, look, gorgeous. And yeah, she looks like she could be the next Ralph Lauren model. Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. A complete role model. But, you know, all this kind of pain underneath, um, sort of hidden away. And and that's also very interesting because people do that. You know, sometimes they, you know, in the morning you might kind of think, oh, I'm feeling a bit kind of, you know, Monday morning, you know, putting, putting on something, it can kind of shake you down a little bit if you put on 
put your best put foot forward. You know, you put on your game face. You put on something that makes you feel a little bit brighter. And I think that's what, what you know, Sylvia Plath did, actually. She put on these things, you know, put on these clothes, these gorgeous, lovely, upbeat, um, 1950s kind of preppy clothes to sort of try and face the world um, in the best way that she could. And I think that's that's really, really interesting. No, I think I think it's fascinating, and it's just and you know it's awful. It's another thing you think of, which I don't know, as a, as a stylist or whatever. My, my back in my old stylist days, it'll never leave me. But you know, you really judge people when when someone is just so perfectly put together, and someone mm-hmm. has every little detail in place, and it's precise and overly thought out, and incredibly intentional. I look at it and say, okay, what is that covering up? You know, it's yeah. like, what is that holding? Because no one is that perfect at all times. We all, we, we all have little flubs in our life and our personality. And if everything is just so calculated in our appearance, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, people are very calculated in different ways, but, you know, it should come off as a, a, a little offhand. No, it's way. very excessive I, and it's very controlling. And that very kind of controlling, yeah. It's a reflective of that kind of, of, of your character again. It's an know, armor. It just, yeah, totally. It's an armor. And you can read that. You know, obviously your work as a stylist, you kind of see those nuances of people's outfits. But it is it is there to be seen. You know, you, you, if, you, if, you, if you take the time to look a little bit closer, clothes betray a lot about how you feel and, and, and the kind of person that you are. Um, and that's exactly right with Sylvia Platt as well. Yeah, I find it just, I find all, just, I look at this, as I'm talking to you, I'm just flipping around in here and I'm like, oh my God, this is so fascinating. This is so fascinating. Let's talk about Joan Didion for a minute because she has this very offhanded, always chic look to me. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of like, you know, sort of, almost a Parisian chic meets Californian and she's mm. always been this kind of it girl of, 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 the, of a moment in time and I'm sure she, she would hate me to say something like that but you know it's, it's really true she looks, she looks spot on for you know every eventuality almost I mean my cover obviously is the amazing photograph by Julian Wasser <laughs> um, and it's of um, Joan Didion in front of her Stingray Corvette and it's such a classic photograph. It's so cool. Look, it's so cool. I mean, you <laughs> could wear that. In fact, an editor said to me today, I want that dress. I want that dress. You know, But it's not and, the dress. I, it's the attitude. It's, it's totally... the attitude. Exactly. Yeah. It's the way she wears it because it's quite a simple dress. It's just her look, her sort of demeanor, her, her hair, her casually sort of slightly unbrushed hair. But it's what you said before. It's just having that kind of confidence to be who she is and she's as she said she just slipped on the dress and she's standing there in a pair of flip-flops actually you know there aren't there's no other kind of polish to what she's what she's got on and she looks incredibly laid back very effortlessly cool and I think that's the key to Joan Didion's sort of amazing look it just seems quite effortless doesn't it yeah, I know. It's amazing. And she's also leaning on the cover on a stingray. So that, you know, there, there's a cool factor right on that car. You know, it's not like she's in an old Buick. 
no, no, exactly. So another, let's talk about Colette for a minute. I mean, another author that so many of us grew up with, another coming of age kind of author for so many women. And, you know, this look of her sitting here in the men's suit with the coal rimmed eyes. And even though she wrote that very romantic feminine um, literature, it's just her look was quite different. Yeah, no, absolutely. And she was such a bold and sort of wonderful character that, you know, she was very strong and very sassy and she did exactly what she liked. And I think she really enjoyed dressing up. So, you know, she kind of had this sort of whole raft of different personas. You know, when she was younger, you know, she had, the, um, she was often wearing a sort of sailor girl dress with very long, long, long pigtails. But, you know, always had this sultriness behind her. You know, and when she went on the stage and she'd be wrapped in tiger skins or when she was slightly older and wearing this sort of androgynous sort of men's suiting, um, she always kind of had the backbeat of the, of, of the sultry, coal-rimmed eyes, he said, you know. And, and, you know, that's that kind of enigmatic, gorgeous, exoticness of Colette that, that's so seductive. Um, and, you know, until she was... Until she, you know, until until until, until she until she died, you know, that was her look, and she wore it brilliantly well, and such an inspiration, I think, for dressing up and being who you want to be. Absolutely, absolutely. I just I think it's fascinating. And on a more modern look, what about Zadie Smith? I mean, she just looks so exotic and girl next door at the same time. Yeah, and you know what about with 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 Zadie Smith? I think that she is the absolute sort of um, you know ideal of what you were saying with with that kind of relaxed, just sort of thrown together look. You know, so she'll pick and mix designers. She'll wear a turban. She'll put a flower in her hair. She'll wear designer. She'll wear high street. You know, thrift store. And she just puts it together in this real cut and paste modern way that's very, very seductive, that's really interesting. You know, she's her own stylist and she's a real modern manifestation of, of what fashion can, can really be, I think. Yeah, and, and obviously and she's incredibly beautiful as well. She's gorgeous. And um, the other thing is, I, I'm going to, I want to partially quote you and then, then you can riff on your own words so it's it's kind of I think the crux of what we're talking about here is you have a, a line in your book where you say authenticity is crucial to longevity and it um, yeah. goes on further but let's just talk about that for a minute on authenticity being crucial to longevity and that really is what keeps so many of these photos timeless yeah no absolutely and I think it's it's just the idea that actually it's once you once there's this quote from Quentin Crisp in there, and he says, you know, the the thing about life is you've got to find out who you are, and once you've found out who you are, you can be that person as much as you can. Just keep being that person, and I think that's what these people have done. You know, they've they they know who they are. They've got a signature style, and they don't, and, and that's and that's all pervading. So. That means, you know, they've got an authenticity because they're reflecting who they are. They've got a signature style which they've kind of nurtured and honed and it feels right for them. So, therefore, you know, their, their sort of, you know, look and their sartorial choices are kind of very focused and very, very you know, all feed into the, to, to the same kind of, along the same characterful um, path. So, that is very interesting to me because it kind of means that you can be who you are and not in and out of fashion you can just mm -hmm. be 
very modern and just very secure and very happy with things that you like and not feel that you have to veer from one thing to another every every other season by all means enjoy fashion because there's so much to enjoy in fashion but you know if you've got a thing about you know long skirts or double-breasted jackets or flowers in your hair or coal rim dyes then you know that can be your signature style because that's what these authors have done you know they've 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 kind of got their own look and they don't move away from it and and as a result we love them for it absolutely and i think the other thing is is that even though they have these signature styles and some of them have these um more eccentric elements to their style it's done with finesse and i think that that's that's a real problem with style like when you have it, you can pull off anything. When you have confidence, when you know how to do it, you can pull off and pull off anything. And that comes down to being able to finesse it. And when you don't, you end up looking like the crazy cat lady. So I think yeah. what happens is is that that's when someone needs to actually work with someone, or you know, like what I teach the people in the say she crush to, to see to open their eye. It's almost like you know, if it's food, it's opening your palate. In this case, it's opening up your eye to see how you can finesse it, so you can go from being like outrageously fabulous and beautiful and timeless to the crazy cat lady. You know, it's and sometimes it's just a little bit, a little tweak that takes you from one to the other. But the thing that, that really holds it together is just like on the cover of this book. It's the posture. It's the poise. It's the demeanor. It's the confidence. It's the body language that pulls it off. And, and it's also, it fits well. You know, there's another thing. It fits well. You can wear anything as long as it looks good on you. So yeah. that, I think, is so important here. And I, I want to, before we get close to the end here, I, I want to just talk about another thing that we haven't really brought up that much. And it's, it's the, the rich narrative of how these writers in the their writing describe clothes and how that opens up our eyes and helps us really envision their words by seeing the character and how they describe what the character is wearing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then there's, and, and the thing is, um, sometimes people might kind of think, oh, well, clothes are very superficial and not particularly interesting and a sort of very secondary thing in life. But, you know, the fact is that all of these authors have sort of taken um, clothes in one way or another and used them as a prism in their work and taken the idea of clothes seriously and how they can reflect and enrich their readers' understanding of um, the character, if you like, through the description of their clothes. So, you know, at first I sort of thought, you know, possibly this, this isn't going to work kind of completely throughout all of these authors. But what I found was that, you know, all of them did. And, you know, I suppose the most famous example is Proust. And um, mm -hmm. he's, a, a, you know, obviously one of the sort of key modern writers who sort of um, broke new ground in writing. But, you know, the way that he meditated almost on clothes is so illuminating and is such a real insight into the consciousness of how people think and how people observe. And, you know, also what's obviously really exciting is that he describes in great detail Fortuny gowns. Right, I'm reading that line right now, yeah, the Fortuny gown which Albertine was wearing. Yeah, and it's just – and people don't know Fortuny. Those were – um, it was a couturier of the time, but those were those beautifully pleated 
uh, tiny little nice pleated dresses. A bit like the Izumiaki pleats, please, yeah. that you can buy now, but very progressive at the time. So it's sort of, you know, the absolute sort of edge of fashion, you know, the sort of majorly sort of, you know, kind of forward-thinking kind of fashion of the time, if you like, when women were sort of wearing gorgeous sort of ornate hats and changing their clothes two or three times a day, certainly within this kind of period of, of this kind of class of person, you know, who Proust writes about so eloquently. So, you know, In Search of Lost Time is an amazing example of that. And obviously, you know, people like, uh, you know, great, wonderful designers like Yves Saint Laurent, who, you know, who's a very fashionable author because of that very reason, if you like. Um, so, I mean, I thought that was obviously really, really exciting. Um, but, you know, all the um, writers that I looked at, there was something to say. So, you know, even with um, straight away Samuel Beckett, who's at the beginning, you know, sort of was yeah. waiting for Godot. It's all about, you know, his wildies. Um, he can't. Yes, he can't. You know, waiting for Godot. He can't think without his hats. Or, you know, the consciousness of man is in his boots, um, which is all all quite hysterically funny. Actually, I think that's one of the things. Um, that Beckett is, he's, he's very amusing as well. Um, but also then you've got James Joyce, and he writes in um, in Ulysses at great length about, you know, not in a creepy, awful way, but in a very sort of interesting sort of way about the kind of colors of women's underwear, you know. And it's a real focus on, you know, the characters that he's talking about, you know, the sort of fine detail that of women's underwear, for example, or the clothes that, that, that some of them, Gertie, for example, wears, you know, he calls her a real fashion plate and describes in great length her clothes. So, you know, you've kind of got that. Um, but also, um, you know, there's, there's so many um, ways that an author looks at clothes. So with Donna Tart, for example, in her book, The Secret History, it's a, her, her writing... Um, she talks about, you know, in the secret history, it's about um, this group of um, students at, at an elite college. And you know how clothes can kind of make you fit in or make you feel ostracized a little bit and kind mm -hmm. of delineate your class. And, and you know, all of these things are kind of fed into the, into the way she talks about the clothes of the students in this college. And so that's really, really interesting as well. Um, but, you know, all, all throughout the... Um, the, the, the novels, there's, there's so much to say that I kind of sort of almost feel sort of, you know, we, we, we could have another long conversation oh. about that. You know, with Tom Wolfe, for example, he's a prime example of, of, a, of a writer that looks into the value of clothes to a really um, sort of interesting um, extent um, in you know, Bonfire of the Vanities, for example, mm -hmm. there's this sort of focus on the 80s and the kind of high-powered sort of clothing that, you and know... And his wife, uh, Exactly. The masters, the masters of the universe that he writes about and they're kind of uptown chic, if you like. But then looking at Tom Wolfe and the way he dressed with his white suits, you know, it's all really, really sort of tied together, I think. Hey, excuse me, let me jump in for a second. We're sharing a lot of amazing things today, but you know, there's more. Hop on over to FocusOnStyle.com and be sure to subscribe to become a Focus On Style insider so that you can start to live the life that others only dream about.
Not only will you get instant access to the Star Power Flash Kit, curated to help you and your business get out there, but as an insider, you'll also receive exclusive bonuses, amazing content, and access to special events that Sharon only shares by email. So, subscribe now at www.focusonstyle.com insiders. It's your time to be the best at being you. Thanks for letting me jump in. Back to the episode. Yeah, I, re- I remember the great detail in, in, I guess it was Bonfire of the Vanities, of describing, it was, I think it was a party scene or something about somebody was wearing, and you could, oh my, it's like, pardon the expression, but it was almost like they were, you know, describing Ivana Trump at the time. You know? Yeah, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's label after label, and the same with Brett Easton Ellis, you know, and that kind of, you know, amazing book that he wrote, American Psycho, it's almost mm-hmm. too much obsessive sort of labeling or obsession with labeling, you know, which is kind of you know sort of delve deep into the into the kind of world of the 80s when you know labels were king if you like but also sort of reflects this monstrous character of his serial killer that that he writes about in in American Psycho it's just all so sort of feeds into each other I think yeah I have a, I have a good story about that which we'll say for when we're not being recorded <laughs> uh- <laughs> But you know what's interesting? American Psycho became a Broadway play, a, a musical, and it, right, it sounds insane. And it was one of the coolest musicals I've ever seen, and it closed. It just didn't take off, and it was really well done. I think it was last year or the year before that it was on. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just crazy, and, and we went to see it, and it wasn't like the, the regular corny musical that they have on Broadway. It was really out there and beautifully done and stylized the clothes and everything about the character in it was just so stylized and beautiful and the other person in here I kind of want to close because we're almost running out of time is also Patty Smith because let's not you know Patty Smith she was a poet so there she's a writer Mm. (laughs) and she has such a specific style and 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 it it comes across so strongly if you read her book you just you walk away with almost the tapestry of the white shirt and the black jacket and where she got this and it's just it's part of her it's part of her character it's part of her soul yeah no absolutely and and the thing about patty smith is again you know it's just the idea of authenticity coming back mm-hmm. into it you know she she talks about in her memoir just kids about growing up and you know, in in um, you know Philadelphia, and sort of not feeling like she was the same as everyone else. She had sort of long hair, and she didn't look, you know, she's sort of like tall and flat-chested, and she didn't want to wear a beehive, and she sort of wore jeans, and she was very androgynous, and she didn't feel like she was fitting in then. And then she kind of moved to New York, and suddenly she felt like she could, you know, she was at home. She met Robert Maplethorpe. She found kindred spirits and she kind of could be the person who she always had been but everyone accepted her for that so she's always been this kind of floating gorgeous ethereal sort of stylized sort of being poet artist writer musician and and you know it's kind of even even you know reading reading her memoir you know you get the feeling that you know it took time to to to, to sort of feel comfortable being the person that she was, but she carried. She didn't try to change. She carried on being the person that she was. But the rest of the world caught up, if you like. Do you yeah, know what I mean? that, and that's yeah, that's and that's I think the most important thing. That's such an interesting point. The rest of the world caught up to their style. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And so you just sort of think now. That's why you know you look back at those 
um, you know, the amazing pictures of her in the mid-70s on the cover of, you know, her albums. And you sort of think, that looks so modern. It looks so right. But, yeah, you know, that's, well, you know, I suppose... It's a long time ago, but it still looks relevant and modern and inspirational today. It looks right. She, you know, you could walk out looking like Patti Smith, and people would turn their heads and think, "Wow, that's a cool, that's that's a cool look." Yeah, it's cool then, yeah, and it's cool now, you know. And that's what having a signature style is all about: finding something that speaks volumes about you, that is you, that you feel comfortable in, and that you're not going to kind of, you know, sell out to anybody for. You know, it's just right for you, so you keep going with it. Yeah, you'll never be cool if you're trying to be a copycat or have someone dress you, that's for sure. Exactly. You will never be cool. And I always say, you know, know, there's always a fine line between being cool and chic, and there's different different times of our life where we want to be cool and we want to be chic. But the thing that's interesting is anyone can kind of learn how to be chic. You can sort of figure that out. But cool, that's a different thing. If you were, and I know now, and I I I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, and I'm like, Probably took me a long time to figure it out. You know, cool is really relative to, you know, to some people I was cool growing up. To other people I was like, whoa, she was, you know, not. And to my kid, I'm like, oh, God, mom. But, you know, I had a, I had a old downtown upbringing. And I think that what happens is as people grow older, if you weren't cool then, you can't, you can't, that's one of the few things you can't teach an old dog new tricks on. And that's being cool. And part of it is coming from, <laughs> you know, having the release at a certain age to open up your eyes to say, this is me and I'm going with it. And, you know, not being so contained and nervous and copycatting or ignoring yourself, but loving yourself in whatever way kind of floats your boat. Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. You don't have to try too hard. You just do what feels right for you. And I absolutely agree with that. I think that's totally right. Yeah. So can you leave us, I like everyone to walk away from one of these podcasts because there's been so much information here. I, I just like, I just love this. I want to, I want to give this guy for like 10 days. <laughs> you know, we've got it. We really have to close this out, but give us a couple of tips of two, three, five, whatever feels right to you of how someone can make their life more amazing this week and taking the inspiration from the legendary authors and the clothes they wore, which by the way, I love the font you have on the cover while I'm there, the typewriter font and the, the oh, thin great. other, Thank you. yes, sans serif. So, you know, I'm a typeface nut. So, so give us a well, few takeaway tips. I would I would suggest that enjoy um, what you can do this week um, that would be so interesting would be enjoy all the wonderful internet content that's out there, but maybe take a moment to look at a legendary author and read what they wrote, and then have a look at their their own individual style and how that's reflected um, in the character of their words because. I think that, you know, with the pace of life that we're living at the moment, it's kind of easy to sort of forget to sit down and spend a bit more time on your reading. And I think what you read is as important as what you wear these days. It's very important. So I would say that would be one thing. Um, Another thing would be, I think that one of the points about legendary authors and the clothes they wore is that it's about having a confidence in what you wear and trying to learn okay. to have that confidence. It's so empowering. All of these authors have their own unique signature styles, and finding your own unique signature style is going to also be incredibly rewarding. So 
experiment, play with fashion, find something that speaks to you, that means something to you, and enjoy it. And just enjoy it. Don't care what anyone else thinks. Just enjoy fashion and be true to yourself. And then you'll find that you, you end up having an authenticity and originality to the way you look that's really, really interesting and very, very charming. So, Terry Newman, that has been amazing. Can you help people find you online and find ways of getting legendary authors in the clothes they wore? Um, well, I think it's available from loads and loads of brilliant bookshops. It's available on Amazon, for example, as well, if you want to buy it online. Um, uh, the HarperCollins website, I think, have also got a link to buying it. So, so there's lots. Of, it's, it's everywhere online at the moment. So I think you can you can certainly go and buy it. And loads and loads of bookshops have got it as well. Okay, great. And it's also going to be on the shelf behind my desk, but you can't have that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you have a website or any place online if someone wants to contact you or social media? Um, well, I mean, my my in, I'm I'm very sort of 20th century, but my Instagram is. <laughs> Terry Newman 101. So I'd love it if you, you know, contacted me that way. You can direct message me, you know, send me any messages that way or like what I put on. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. This is fantastic. I love you so much for, for being here today. I think that this, and maybe this will encourage people to just pick up a couple of books here and there, you know, maybe, maybe revisit some of your old friends, your old friend authors and favorite books and look at it a different way now that, now that you just see the importance of style and, and fashion and how it plays into their psyche and the narrative of the book and, and inspires you on what you're going to wear tomorrow or later today, depending on what time Absolutely, of day Absolutely, yeah. Take some time out for yourself. Sit down with a good book. Wear a beautiful dress and enjoy, yeah. And enjoy. So thank yeah. you so much. And talk to you guys out there real soon. Stay tuned for next week. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you. You're welcome. That's a wrap. Well, not so fast. We covered a lot of amazing things today. But what's your biggest takeaway from this episode? Hop on over to www.focusonstyle.com to leave a comment and keep the conversation going. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to become a Focus on Style Insider. Not only will you get instant access to the Star Power Flash Kit, curated to help you and your business get out there, but as an insider, you'll also receive exclusive bonuses, amazing content, and access to special events that Sharon only shares by email. Subscribe now at www.focusonstyle.com insiders. It's your time to be the best at being you. So don't forget to subscribe at www.focusonstyle.com insiders. See you on the next episode of the 7 Days to Amazing Podcast with Sharon Haver, where you learn how to make your life, business, and style even more amazing in the next week.